Hello and welcome to Dial F for Flanger, which is, uh, well, it started off as a comic chat show, but I guess it's a chat show about anything I feel like now, because uh, today I'm talking <laughs> with uh, Sarah Century, uh, who's a, a podcaster, a writer, she's on the Bitches on Comics. Um, I got to hear her on the excellent Batman and the Outsiders podcast on the Ride On Network, so she was uh, podcasting with Tim and Ashford. But um, I heard her say that she likes horror films, and uh, it's fair to say I had a bit of a, a late um, come to Jason moment with horror films because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm older, and my son has really got into sort of slasher films and all that sort of stuff. So I've started watching them because all my life I've gone, oh, they're scary and I don't want to watch them. And, <laughs> you know, now I'm going, oh, they're really good and they're much better than the horror of real life. Um, so, so, Sarah, mm-hmm. how did you get into horror films? Yeah, I think we I just mentioned it a little bit before we started recording, but it's just one of those things that I was always around. I remember a lot of the first media I remember getting into was horror. So I have all of these really special and long lasting memories of my childhood where I rem- I would remember that whenever um, the people in my family would go to sleep at night. I would usually have insomnia, so I would just go into the living room and flip on the television. Um, and of course, whenever it's like the 80s, you know, uh, and we had like HBO and stuff, so that meant either like, you know, softcore porn or horror. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that the horror I gravitated towards, um, because it just, to me, it's always just been really fascinating. I just find it to be such a fascinating genre. And so it's just intrinsic. It's like comics for me, where it's just like, I've just been reading them. I've just been in horror. You know, it's just always, it's always been an interest of mine. I remember getting a box of mildewy, uh, like maybe 19... 10 collection of like Edgar Allan Poe books. Uh-huh. I mean, I, that's a, that's a complete guess, but they were just really old and yeah. they were super mildewy. And I, eventually my mom threw them out because they were disgusting, but like, <laughs> I just like wanted them so much. So like, I would like hide them in a like I would hide them under my bed and stuff because I just wanted to read everything. I thought all of the books that I would come across, I would try to read. And a lot of that just happened to be horror. Yeah. I always liked science fiction. So uh, I did get mm. into sort of science fiction horror as, as a youngster. Um, but that sure. was mostly because, you know, the aliens and the monsters and the spaceships, all that was um, sort of like the the candy to get me into that shop. Um, See, I was going to say that um, sci-fi horror is like by far the grossest horror, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. You see so much like good body horror and like, you know, the aliens, like how how disgusting are the aliens, but like so beautiful in a weird way. Yeah. So I think that, that and that's so much of horror gore, right, is like uh, very upsetting, very disturbing. And then it also has this bizarre visual element that really draws us in. I think it goes hand in hand with uh, sci-fi. Yeah. But as a kid, I would like, if there was a film that was scary, but I really wanted to watch it, um, this is on VHS, of course, I would watch it on fast forward to see what happened and then take it back <laughs> and then watch it unfold in you know regular time now that it wasn't going to be a complete shock. So. Oh my God. My co-host, Essie, was just saying that they do that actually, because <laughs> like the co-host for Bitches on Comics was telling, because we have very different, I mean, I think that we both end up liking a lot of the same things, but we come to it in a weird, in a, like different ways, you know? And um, they are definitely one of those folks who likes horror, but has to know kind of what's going to happen and then enjoys it, like actually can relax and enjoy it. <laughs> 
the second time around, which I mean, I think means that it gets a lot of like re rewatch and like reread, you know, play. But at the same time, I'm just kind of I'm one of those people where it's like I'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning and then just pop a horror movie on or something and like watch it while I'm falling asleep. I think that the imagery of horror films just kind of can't be beat. There's a stylism, you know, it's like you can go through all of the different eras and a lot of what draws me in every time is just that weird stylism and the kind of, um, you know, they're they're willing to address really upsetting subject matter. And I think that it's important to talk about some of that stuff. I'm not saying that horror always handles that well, <laughs> no. but... <laughs> But there's a lot of great horror. And so I don't know. It, it's like that's kind of another thing for me is whenever people are like, well, how did you get into horror? It's like there's also so many kinds of horror, right? Like mm. as, it's like sci-fi horror, as you mentioned, you know, body horror. You have comedy horror, like, you know, slasher horror. There's old timey horror. You know, there's so many different kinds of horror that I think, um, you know, it makes it it makes it a genre that really just keeps giving. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I watched my son go through a whole process. Was uh, you know he's 16 now, but you know when he was young, he saw images of um, the video game Five Nights at Freddy at school, and it used mm. to freak him out, and he would have nightmares about it. He would talk to me about how scared he was, but at the same time, I could see him just becoming fascinated by it, and then he would, you know, eventually he became the biggest Five Nights at Freddy fan. So now he plays all the games, that, you know, and he was doing the. Um, the 3D one on his on his game <laughs> console and yeah. all this sort of stuff, and then he's you know gone into uh, Dead by Daylight, which actually features you know classic horror characters like Freddy and uh, you know, Jason and things like that. So then he wanted to you know play all of them, and you know then from then it was just like I want to watch all these films, and you know he he wants to see these horror films now, and it, it's just a, such a, a strange process to go from you know being absolutely terrified about it to, you know, absolutely obsessed by it, you know, within a year. And it's just been sort of fun to watch. So a lot of, you know, these old films, I've seen a few of the, you know, the classics, but I've never seen Halloween. I've never seen Friday the 13th and all this sort of thing. Oh, I yeah. mean, they all had this sort of uh, taboo level when I was young. You know, they were... Oh, yeah. They're so scary. They were going to corrupt me or, <laughs> or do something horrible. And Yeah. But I remember being at school and... You know, horror became this sort of, um, you know, one kid at school would see, you know, uh, the Amityville horror. And then you would all gather around at school and get told the plot of the Amityville <laughs> horror, you know, and mm -hmm. visualize what he's saying in your mind. And that's, you know, it's, and that's how you would, ooh, okay, yeah, now I feel like I've seen the Amityville horror without going through it. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying, because I was always the kid who was like, check this out. Like, I watched this, <laughs> you know, this really scary movie. I have a very specific memory of watching the movie Waxwork, <laughs> which <laughs> is a very goofy, um, you know, I believe, like, late 80s horror film. I must have been, like, five, six, seven, you know, whenever I watched it. And I have vivid memories of enthralling the other kids by just being like, okay, I watched the greatest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Let me tell you all about it. And... <laughs> Uh, something that you said, too, because you were talking about how your son being really scared of horror, but being also fascinated by it. And I think that that's interesting because that's something that I experience a lot, too, because that's one of the big arguments that people present against horror, right, is, is that you'll become desensitized to all of this gore and violence. And it's just like, well, I mean, the news, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's like so many horrible things that happen on the news. And to me, it's like, I don't think that watching horror 
takes my empathy away. Like it honestly makes me practice it a lot because even if I'm watching something where there's some horror films that are just goofy and you're just like, yeah, you might struggle to like empathize with, you know, the Mm. stereotypical characters that you see again and again. But that is such a small sliver of what horror is, you know? And like, sometimes I can still get into like the fun spirit, I guess, of, of just like a slasher film that doesn't, that isn't that deep. Right. Like sometimes I can, but there's so much stuff where it's just like it's just compelling there's a lot of interesting subject matter that they're going into and there's a lot of metaphor and Mm. all of that and so I think that whenever I watch horror it's like I'm always um if it's a good horror movie I'm just enthralled and scared and I feel bad like you know the people the people are going through horrible experiences and I feel really terrible for them you know it's like you get really attached to some of these characters yeah, I mean, and, and there's different types of horror, as you said. There's the horror where, you know, it's about, you know, someone overcoming and having a victory over something horrific. Or there's the mm-hmm. ones where, you know, everything around you cannot be trusted and the whole world is, you know, uncertain and, you know, the horror is going to come at you, you know, unexpectedly from everywhere and, you know, there's no escape in that sort of sense. You know, and then you've got your, you know, giant monsters and, you know, crocodiles yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and then and then there's crossover, right? Because even in the giant monster crocodile, I, you know, there's movies where it's like, oh, but that was actually the story of a daughter bonding with her father who was mm. estranged or, like, something <laughs> like that. So yeah. I think that there's crossover even whenever it's kind of goofy, but... um. But yeah, I don't know. It is. It's uh, often there's just like so many there's yeah, there's so much to go off of whenever it comes to horror that it's just like you never you never run out. Yeah. And I think I I mean, as I've watched more and more horror, it's a it's a type of film that really delivers like you get what you want when you watch a horror. Like sometimes when you watch oh, yeah. a, a drama, it's you know, it's unsatisfying or it's just dull or things like that. Or an action film, you know, it may not, you know, uh Hit, you know, hit you the right way in the way that you want to enjoy it. But mostly I find horror films really do deliver what you want from a, you know, from the film. It gives you, you know, sort of instant gratification of, you know, an itch that you're trying to scratch. So do you have any, you know, favorite films of different types that you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. I mean, I write about horror films a lot. So I've gotten to write about a lot of my favorites. I have an affinity for a lot of the 70s horror. I love a lot of like the old school lesbian vampires. I remember that being something that I got into a lot of as a kid. And I think that, you know, I mean, there's issues there and like, you know, it's, it's like um, the villainization of queer people by horror movies is like a thing, but then like there's so many queer horror fans, right? And so mm. whenever you talk about something like lesbian vampires, it's like, yes, of course that is like a wildly problematic trope. Of course it is, right? But it doesn't change that whenever I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, I was watching lesbian vampire movies and being <laughs> like, I like her. <laughs> like, she's cool. So I would like those movies. I love all of the old horror greats, of course. I grew up on a lot of like you know nightmare on elm street which to me is still just like a viscerally upsetting movie you know it's like there's in texas chainsaw massacre like a lot of those movies that are classics they're also just still like they have so much power to just really unsettle and i think that that's kind of a timeless thing but um i watched tons of new horror as well like i watched um a lot of movies lately that have been kind of horror and kind of not like i watched the wind which i thought was kind of horror and kind of not i felt much the same about in fabric there was uh the other lamb like these were all movies that i think are kind of doing like a 
kind of blending surrealism with horror in a way that is really satisfying for me because it's exploring identity and, um, you know, societal expectations and just a lot of stuff like that. So there's that. I love all of the Jordan Peele work, you know, Um, like that's probably the person like the most commercial horror creator right now that I can think of offhand that I think is just like an absolute genius. Um, but then there's a lot of like people who have been doing independent films that I think are so good too. So I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's still across the board. I have my shutter subscription, so (laughs) I'm watching so many horror movies. I'm, you know, I still feel like a novice. Like I've, I've got my, you know, comfort zone, which is all the stuff that most people have heard of, but I've become a, become a real connoisseur for, um, sort of fuck the rich horror. (laughs) Oh yeah, I love <laughs> Fuck the Rich Horror. It's so good. I mean, it's just satisfying. That's like, that's one of the most satisfying genres of horror, right? Because <laughs> you're just like, oh, cool. Yeah, they're like getting terrorized. This is fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually we're getting terrorized, right? Yeah. So like that, that sense of, um, yeah, like comeuppance, I think. That's like a big thing in horror too. You see that all of the time in, in any kind of horror films. Um, I've been reading a lot of horror novels lately. I tried to get a little bit more back into, I had a break where I was mostly reading comics and then over, in nonfiction, it was like only those two. And so I had a big hole in my knowledge of fiction whenever it came to like horror novels, like what people have been doing lately and stuff like that. Obviously I read tons and tons of horror books whenever I was young. Like I read all of the Christopher Pike, all of the R.L. Stein, like all of that stuff. Right. And then of course, like a lot of like Stephen King and basically just once again, any book I could really get my hands on, I would read for a really long time. But um yeah, lately I have been getting into new stuff and it turns out that, yeah, people are just doing wild, incredible things with this genre and stuff that maybe sometimes is getting it or um, getting adaptations, but not always like uh, there's a book that I read pretty recently that was called My Sister, the Serial Killer. And that book is such a strange kind of slow burn mystery version of horror. And it's about these two sisters and just their like such a unique and strong bond between them. And the book almost is goes through and is like almost explaining step by step how that bond formed and like why they have such a strange relationship, you know? Um, but in that it is still horror because there's people dying the whole time. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I read another book that was called like tender is the flesh, which was just wildly uncomfortable and was basically about a world where, I mean, it was a comment on the meat industry basically because Uh. it's a world where, people are like people can't eat animals anymore all the animals are diseased or whatever so people can't eat them so they start breeding humans to eat um and it's yeah the commentary is off the charts really bleak one of the bleakest like most gut punch books i have ever Mm. read but very good and um as a vegan i was like yeah So a lot of books and a lot of comics, like comics are kind of having a renaissance lately of horror. Um, yeah, there's been a lot. Do you find the horror in a comic translates well? I mean, uh, or do, is it a sort of different delivery mechanism? I mean, you know, what are the, like, 
I, I've always been a big fan of, you know, Hellblazer and Swamp Thing and things like that, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I think that it is perfect for horror. I mean, I think the same about audio, though, because that's another thing. I'm constantly listening to podcasts that are horror podcasts, so I guess, like, horror is just, like, across the board what I'm into, but there is... Uh, there is so many good horror comics. And while I do think that the pacing can be a little bit different, it does add a lot to it as well, because you get to see artists just doing this incredible work. Like you mentioned Swamp Thing. I don't know anybody who dialed it in on a Swamp Thing comic. Like those comics are always gorgeous, even from the very beginning, you know, whenever the Mm. character was not nearly as fleshed out as he would later become. I think that those comics, you know, Steve Bissett, like, just so many, so many incredible artists have worked on that series. And so I think that that is something where, I mean, I, and also what is uh, eerie, you know, tells from the crypt. These are all things that I was reading, you know, I've gotten in collections and stuff like that. So I've been able to read a lot of it and I love it. I love all, I love the classic comic book horror anthologies. I think that those are incredible. I think that they're always so fun when somebody puts one out these days, I'm always so stoked. Somebody just did a Kickstarter for one. Um, uh, and I don't remember what it was, but I totally donated <laughs> to it because I was just like, I'll, yeah, a horror anthology I'm in. Like, I will truly buy pretty much any horror comic that comes my way. Mm. So are there any, like, like mainstream films that you, horror that you would really recommend that people watch if they're, you know, if they've been a bit scared to watch it? <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> like, ones which you think, you know, yeah, this is... Like, um, I always tell people that Tremors is the perfect gateway horror film if you've never seen a horror film because you know it's it's goofy it's fun it's a little bit scary but you know it you're going to have a good time coming through it you know and the good guys win and you know no one does anything really stupid which you know is quite often (laughs) a thing that happens in horror films is someone always does something stupid and you know pays the consequences but you know tremors it's mostly you know people just trying to solve problems uh, of you know how to not get eaten while the monsters are trying to solve the problem of how to eat the people so totally see well what i i think first of all tremors is a great A great suggestion because it's a fun horror movie too. And, um, you know, you just, you can't beat something that's just a fun movie, right? I mean, Tremors is terrifying because nobody wants to get eaten by weird sandworms. That is a horrifying concept, (laughs) but it also has like a lot of the conventions of the genre that make you be able to kind of loosen up and have fun with it. You know, I feel like the people making the film had fun with it. So I like that movie. And I think that that's a really good one to recommend to people. But I would say a lot of the times whenever I'm trying to recommend a horror movie to somebody, it's somebody who has been alienated by the genre, usually because they view it as just being really misogynistic or something along those lines. And so for that, I guess I would probably... I would start recommending some that I feel like are unsettling, but like maybe they have like kind of a good like woman's story, you know, like a, like a compelling main character, you know? Um, And like, maybe they don't, you know, maybe I would say that the main character of like possession was pretty compelling, but but I probably wouldn't recommend that movie because it would, um, you know, it crosses some lines, but in a way that I enjoy, but I, yeah, not, not everybody does, but I would say something where it's like, I would push them maybe towards like a girl walks home at night, you know, like the Babadook, like a lot of the things that I think a lot of people really clicked with. I would say us, us is like almost a perfect movie, regardless of you, if you like, 
I mean, I'm going to say pretty much a perfect movie because I didn't expect what was happening the whole time. It's like you expect the like switcheroo with Doppel. Oh, man. I, should I spoil this? Cause, I haven't seen it. Movie... I, I've seen Get Out, but I haven't got uh, got around to us yet. So I'm like, maybe not spoil it then. But like <laughs> um, it is. Well, all right. Well, then what I can talk about is the performances are absolutely top notch. Some of the best I've seen in horror films ever. So it's very unsettling, but it's also one that really plays around with identity and has strong characterization that really makes you be invested in the in what's happening. So I like the ones where it's like they're building something they're dropping these clues. They're like showing you these kind of mild moments between characters, like these kind of relaxed moments for like, that's whenever, you know, 20 minutes into the movie, when something genuinely horrific happens, you're there with the character. Right. So I love those. I loved uh, the invitation. I thought that that was a really good movie. That was just basically about like exes interacting at a dinner party, um, but in a horrific way. And uh, that was fun. I don't know. Yeah, I like a ton of movies, but I would say like I usually would just kind of steer people towards ones like I might say like Cat People. That's like an old one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not the eighties one probably, but like because uh, I I mean I like that movie once again, but it might cross some lines for people. And uh, the one that was from like the forties, the Val Luton one, right? Yeah, because yeah. I think that I've that, seen that's, that. It's such a good movie. It has a lot of interesting themes playing under the film, right? Like there's what you're seeing and then there's all of this allegory and metaphor in the movie as well. And I think that that makes it so good. The Haunting is like another one where it's just like, it's so scary. It's just, it, first of all, it's quint- It's like one of those essential movies. It's like if you watch The Haunting like horror will click for you like a little more because there is so many movies that are based on the haunting essentially. And of course that in turn is based on Shirley Jackson, which is another, that's a writer where it's like, whether you like horror or not, you've probably read Shirley Jackson, you know, uh, she's just a great writer. And that's, you see so many of those, so many stories are based on that book because that book even was based on all of the haunting, you know, haunted house stories from before, but also was just, it retold it in such a way that it became absolutely definitive going forward. And I think that the movie, though it's, it varies and it's very different from reading the book. I still think that that's one of those movies where, you know, it comes out, I think 1964 ish and um, just, you know, with, with nothing, no special effects, they make this brilliant horror movie that is unsettling, terrible, <laughs> like <laughs> really interesting. The characters have like the most fascinating interactions with each other. I'm obsessed with Theo, you know, like there's, there's so much good to that movie, so I would recommend that one, I think, just about to anybody. Mm. I mean, I always find it interesting that, I mean, horror does sort of lend itself to interpretation. Like, I know the thing is not about AIDS, but you can look at the entire film and go, it's about AIDS. You know? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's men, you know, in fear of each other's blood and, you know, being corrupted and things like that. So, but, mm-hmm. yeah... What, what is it with horror films and the bleak ending? You know, what what does that do for you and what does it do for people? Well, I'll tell you what, like, there is, um, this is something that's interesting to me because I am also a horror fiction writer. And so I have a bunch of short stories out in the world. And, and I'm, my first novella is coming out later this year or early next year. Well, TBD on that one. But I have gone into stories often and been like, all right, 
this one, this is the one. It's going to have a happy ending. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. And I try so hard every time to give a horror story a happy ending because that's what I want as a viewer. You want the horror story to have a happy ending. Uh, Event Horizon, right? Or something. And yeah. then at the end of Event Horizon, they're like, hey, it's going to be okay. And it's just like, I... I'm just like, there's no way it's going to be okay. There's no way. Like, there's no way. What are you talking about? You just discovered a hell dimension. Like, there's no way. And so, um, you know, it's like anytime they give me a happy ending, which is what I want, like it is. <laughs> Whenever I'm watching a horror movie, I'm like, please, God, like, please let them have a happy ending. And they just don't, you know, for the most part. But also I discover that whenever they get one a lot of times it doesn't feel true because that's not how it works. Right. Like I think that, mm. you know, horror speaking to something where we are dealing with a lot of the things that honestly don't have happy endings in life. Right. Like there's a yeah. lot, you know, we'll all get sick. We'll all get old. We'll all die. Like these are things that are, you know, something that I think we try really hard not to have to deal with on a daily basis because it would be a lot. Um, so I think that horror is something that kind of tries to remind us of that. And so sometimes whenever it's just like, no, it's cool. <laughs> just like, <laughs> but if we keep going, it won't be anymore. Right. Cause that's the thing. If you like, if you want the happy ending thing is like, when did you stop the story? I'm sure. I think Orson Welles said that. I, mean, yeah. I think Neil Gaiman also paraphrased that. I'm sure a bunch of other people have said that, but it's basically, where did you end the story? And, uh, yeah, it's really hard. Like I've gone into stories as a writer and just tried to give them a happy ending and tried to angle the story in that direction, like desperately, because I really needed to like write something <laughs> that was optimistic. But then it's like, in a way, acceptance is optimism. You know, it's like you get to this place where you maybe know that it can't work for these characters. You know that something bad is going to happen to them and that sadly you're going to be the one as the writer who's going to deliver that. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have to just kind of accept it because you have to accept the bad things that happen to you too. And so that to me is something where almost it once again becomes sort of a cathartic thing because, <laughs> you know, it, it's better than people lying to you, I guess. Like, you know, something like Disney will always have a happy ending. Like, you can always find movies that will have happy endings. And sometimes stories do have happy endings in their way, you know. But I think that a lot of times that that happiness has to come through a process and that it also has to do a lot with you have to come face to face and come to terms with the bad things that have happened to you. Mm, yeah, I guess that's a big theme in the horror movies is, you know, there's denial of what's real and then people accept yeah. what's real and knowing what is actually real allows you to deal with it in a way that allows you to, you know, keep living your life. And Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's why so many people really continue to be drawn to horror and... Yeah, I don't know. I'll probably continue to be drawn to it as well. I I can't imagine that there's going to be a time whenever I'm not reading horror, you know, or watching it or whatever, because it's just something, as I said, it's like it's as intrinsic to me as comics. I've just been as soon as I could learn to read, it was like my favorite thing. So, mm. you know, I just have been picking this stuff up forever. And, you know, regardless, as much as I want, sometimes I'll try to read something that 
like I'll read a regular nonfiction or like a regular fiction, you know, straightforward literary fiction. And um, a lot of that stuff is great. I will love those books just as much as I love any horror that I read, but I always will go back to horror. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, what's your mainstream horror recommendations? Like the ones people have heard of, which ones do you, do you think are worth people's time? Oh, yeah. So something, well, the last one that I actually went to go see, I think, and I, I'm not sure if, well, does A24 count? I think a lot of A24 stuff is still really good. I enjoy Neon as well. I think that these are places that are putting out really good movies. But um, yeah, I think uh, Midsommar was honestly really good. I think that I don't need to watch it again, you know? <laughs> it's like one of those where it's like, oh, I saw it the once. And I think that it's an interesting movie because... um you know, it's dealing really with like a white supremacist cult, and, you know, which is always kind of terrifying. But it's something that is, yeah, I don't know, a, a kind of an interesting movie. Once again, probably won't watch it a second time, but I didn't mind it. I thought Hereditary was really good, too. So I liked both of those movies quite a bit. I think that what's another one that's come out recently? I'm trying to think. Like I said, the Jordan Peele ones I really love. Um, do you like the Purge movies or things like that? Or do you consider them horror at all? I honestly haven't even watched the Purge movies, which is wild. Um, yeah, I haven't even watched them. There's that's the thing too with horror, right? Is is like no matter how much of it you watch, you're still gonna have these like weird kind of blind spots where it's like, oh yeah, I just never watched that franchise. Like pretty recently, I just did a series on the Amityville horror because I had just, I had seen like two or three of the movies and none of the others. So I was like, oh, sure, I'll just watch like 15 of these. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know if that was totally worth it. But it is an interesting franchise. Uh, I like Hellraiser. Hellraiser was one of my favorite ones. If I was going to talk about something that was really famous, continues to be famous, and might be seeing a resurgence soon because it looks like uh, there's going to be a Clive Barker run sci-fi series of Hellraiser. If that happens, he I think he was saying that he was going to just pick up where he left off on the second film, which seems like it's going to follow much the trajectory of the comic book that he wrote for Boom Studios fairly recently. I think like maybe 10 years ago or something. But yeah, I loved Hellraiser. I thought that that was, um, it's one of the most influential movies on me for sure. The first two Hellraisers. I like the, like the third one too, because <laughs> I just have to, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I understand why people drop off. Right. But then after that, yeah, the movies get bad and it is pretty rough, but I still love Hellraiser. I loved Chucky like I loved a lot of the Chucky movies I think Don Mancini doesn't get nearly the credit that he deserves for creating this completely bizarre franchise with all of these little murder dolls um <laughs> that's another one that's getting a sci-fi series soon though yeah. and I am beyond stoked for that because I feel like once Jennifer Tilly entered that franchise it became the greatest it was it's just like the best like camp franchise it's like the best horror comedy it still is actually terrifying in certain parts like i think the last movie they started just going hard back into <laughs> back into scary so that was i love like bride of chucky like all of those movies i think are so so good and so funny and they age so much better than you think they're going to because i remember recently re-watching bride of chucky and being like this movie is so good it's like meta commentary there's no, like all of these nods to old horror movies 
Jennifer Tilly is an absolute star. I love all of it. Yeah, I've recently watched that for the first time, and and my son is still scared to watch that one. I'm not sure why. Bride of Chucky? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's scary. I don't know. Whenever I was a kid, I remember that first child's play, which, like, of course, I have no idea why my parents allowed this, but, like, I would always watch, like, all of these horror movies. And you remember uh, the the little kid from that first one who is such, like, a moppet and just, like, but, Mommy, I did see the doll move, you know, like that. And, like, I remember being a kid, basically his age, and being, like, this is my favorite character ever. And, like, (laughs) I loved that kid because I was just, like, that is the level of sincerity that I want to bring to every situation as a child. I remember just, like, really attaching to him. And, obviously, only horrible things happened to him through those first three movies. Um, But I liked, I don't know, I like all of those movies. I think that the Chucky franchise is really fun. Mm, Okay. Do uh, do you have a favorite shark film? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Let's see. Oh, man. I'm going to say, as as truly basic as this is, it has to still be Jaws, though, because I still think that that's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I love all of the shark movies, though because it they're scary. I mean, it's like if you look at the facts, right? Like sharks are super demonized. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah. Um, but like, and so it's always one of those things of like, in real life, the humans are the monsters. But <laughs> when you're just like, oh, just being in water where you cannot possibly survive against this like prime killing machine, truly one of the most horrifying things I can ever think of. Yeah, but I mean, it happens so rarely, but you always hear about when a surfer gets eaten and things like that, and you just think, yeah, you're just, uh, you know, you're doing something recreational, and suddenly you get eaten alive, and that's that's just terrifying. (laughs) It really is one of the scariest things I have ever heard of. Um, I still like a lot of the other ones, though. I still enjoyed, you know, what was it? Is Deep Blue Sea, is that one of them, where, like, the sharks become all smart and, like, (laughs) <laughs> Samuel Jackson is in it, is that right? I haven't yeah, seen it in right. a while, but I had a lot of fun with that one. And uh, The Reef, I thought, was scary. Honestly, pretty much any time. I, I was even pretty scared by Open Water, even though that's like a... Ugh. Slow burn. <laughs> that movie. Mm-mm, slow burn, yeah. And also, is ba- yeah, because the whole time they're just like splashing around in water, but the whole time I'm really uncomfortable because I know that they're going to get eaten by sharks. Um I love water horror, though. It's one of my favorites. I always love... I just very recently read a book that was called Into the Drowning Deep that was really scary water horror. And, uh, yeah, pretty much anything that has to do with an ex- any excessive amount of water is going to freak me out at least a little bit because it is scary. That was, like, the the lure, right? Like, they had, like, a pretty recent... A mermaid movie that just it just creeps you out water's scary <laughs> it's scary without anything in it and then you add you things don't have to, to it. do anything about it yeah. yeah it's like that's one of those things where you're just like no i didn't even have to you don't have to do any extra work on that one i loved that movie triangle that had did you ever watch that it had no. the woman who was on the boat she like shows up because this guy is trying to get her and his friends to get along and they just don't, they're just like, we don't like this girl. 
we just don't like her. Um, and she gets on this boat with them and spends the day. And then they find this much bigger boat that they all end up getting onto. And the boat seems to be deserted. It's like, it's so creepy and weird and upsetting. (laughs) But I really enjoyed it. That one's called Triangle. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, there's a lot of really good uh, horror films that explore uh, relationships of women and things like that. Like, I'm thinking of things like uh, The Descent and Jennifer's Body and films like that. Oh, yeah. See, how how did I not mention either of those? Those are super fun. And once again, ones that I would recommend to most people. Jennifer's body is one too. Yeah. And I think that that's true. Even whenever, uh, even back in the day, like you would have these, you know, like the vampires and all of that. Like a lot of times whenever you were dealing with feminine vampires, there was these really bizarre, often like weird, abusive, murderous relationships with other women, but at least it was kind of exploring it a little bit. Or you have movies like Triangle, which I just mentioned, or like The Babadook, where it's like it's just exploring motherhood and how complicated and really kind of terrifying it is. You know, there's movies that are I just read a book that was called They Never Learn, which was about a woman who was uh, taking revenge on a bunch. It was much like Promising Young Woman, only um, like the men actually get killed. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, this but and this woman has no qualms about it. Like the whole time she's just like, "Uh, he deserves to die. I don't know what to tell you. Um, And never backs off from that, like beginning to end. You you always think that they're going to have like a moment of like moral reckoning or something because we're trained to expect that and then yeah i just remember like it never happens and i was like yes (laughs) (laughs) this book was great because i think that that's one of the things that yeah i mean even like what is it the turn of the screw or something i feel like that the governess and that is such a fascinating character and mrs gross such a fascinating character to the point that like you know uh Haunting of Bly Manor just got finished bringing that story back and kind of like, you know, modernizing it and retooling it a little bit because and then those characters remained completely interesting characters, you know, in new ways, like they really put a lot of life into them. But even whenever you listen to the old one, it's just about this woman who is trying to figure out what's going on with these two kids. And that's just classic unsettling amazingness but it also really gets into her head she's trying to tell you a story about something that's very uh phenomenal and it's like unbelievable right and uh it's a lot of conversations between her and mrs gross and it rules like that book is great i think that it's that's it or you know even something I think even something where it's like Poe or something, Poe always focuses so much on himself and like he, like the character is like always male, right? And uh, always has like weird relationships with women because we're talking about this guy. He he was a weird, weird guy. Um, But I think that there's an, there's always something that you learn about the women in the way that he doesn't flesh them out almost, which is something really strange. It's like when you're, when you're reading like Bernice or something, it's like almost the things that he doesn't say about her builds this very fascinating portrait of what a complicated character she must be. Right. Because he's just giving you these kind of surface reads on her and like mostly talking about his own story but the whole time you're like, yeah, but this girl is like dying really young. And, you know, the guy who like she's supposed to marry is completely like a complete like uh, 
it was like just a really scary guy, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know how to even describe it almost other than he's just like terrifying. Um, and the whole time we're focusing on him, but there's like this added element of this person who is being put through him, right? Like he's, mm. he's inflicting his, this like really, um, personally driven story on another person the whole time right and so it's like i don't i don't i wouldn't give him the credit of saying like i'm sure he super intended that but it's just something that i read whenever i'm reading poe or something along those lines to the point where now i just got finished reading a book that was called his hideous heart which was just a bunch of new writers that were doing takes on poe like stories that were inspired by poe stories and the way that people have taken it and really just, you know, made new characterizations and really expanded on what he was doing, I think is really heartening and fascinating because, you know, there's a lot of, I would say in some ways, you know, it can be a little like his stories are great, but like there can be like a one dimensionality to some of them. And then there is like new writers just adding new you know, it's like the Winchester mystery house. There's like new parts getting added to it, you know, like throughout, throughout the lifespan of horror. Um, I think that that's awesome too. Like I like to see people who are reimagining old stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Cause I mean, I find there's so many, you know, horror departments out there. Like there's creepy kids. You can do, you know, you can spend the rest of your life watching and reading about creepy kids. <laughs> And there are ones in real life, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll recommend a couple that I've watched recently. Like um, This one's a strange yeah. one. Oculus, which is about an evil mirror. Have you seen that one? Yes. <laughs> oh, I love evil mirror. That's one of my favorite tropes. Because I remember <laughs> as a kid watching Mirror, Mirror. That came out in, like, 1990. Um, I loved that movie as a kid. So, yes, Oculus, to me, was... Not so much like that, but that haunted mirror theme is just killer. Yeah, that's got um, Karen Gillan from Doctor Who in it, um, and mm-hmm. I think the guy who plays Dick Grayson in Titans is in it. And yeah, uh, there's a very upsetting scene where someone confuses an apple with a light bulb. Um, oh yeah, yeah yeah, <laughs> yikes! I forgot about that scene. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun stuff in there, and it's another one that's just all about the deep interpersonal connections right so yeah um there's uh corporate horror so uh the belco experiment if you want to see a corporation being evil um that's a good one. Oh, i haven't seen that one ah that's i think that's james gunn wrote it but uh, someone else directed it but it, it, yeah it's basically um a great an office building um gets basically shut down and everyone in there is told they have to start killing each other or they're going to get killed um so yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a social, sociological horror uh, experiment done by a company. And, you know, the company is evil in this, just like in real life. Oh, man, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so that one's that one's good. That was a really good one if you like a lot of gore. So, um, yeah, uh, my probably my connoisseur crocodile movie is Rogue, which is set in the uh, Northern Territory of Australia uh, about a crocodile that's really, 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 really big. And some people get stranded in a sort of lagoon with it. Um, their boat breaks down and they're all stuck on a little island uh, with a giant crocodile there. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, that, that's uh, one I'd recommend. It's, I love the bit with the, you know, everyone's standing around talking and you just hear this slight little splash and they turn around oh, and, one, no. and, and one of them is gone. <laughs> I hate it so much. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. Oh, Korean horror films. Uh, I love The Host 
and I love uh, Train to Busan. So yes, those movies are so good. And then, um, oh, what was the prequel that they did? The animated prequel um, oh, to Train to Busan or the host? Yeah, Train to Busan. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, it was like uh, something station. Ah, I forget. But yeah, that one's good too. I love those. Yeah, but um, they're both really good films. I mean, examining family and poverty and class structure and things like that which uh, yeah something the foreign horror films are very interesting and there's a whole lot of subtext you don't usually get in the western stuff yeah i noticed that too and that's i've been reading uh more books because there are actually there's a lot more translations that have been available so horror novels from pretty much across pretty much everywhere in the world horror has a very strong standing yeah and are you on board with the uh, Nicolas Cage resurgence in horror? Yeah, honestly, I don't mind it. I mean, I think that Mandy was really fun. I think that, I mean, I it, I get it. You know, I understand why people did not like that movie. There's, uh, of course, the woman gets fridged, you know, all of that. She, I think, is treated fairly badly. But also, I like her, and they develop her character before it happens. I kept expecting her to come back. I don't think that they really had to kill her but beyond that there's like you know a chainsaw fight which i'll just show up for no matter what like <laughs> nicholas cage crying in the bathroom i'm here like i'll, I'll watch it um <laughs> it was such a strange movie and i did honestly still really enjoy it well i mean i think we've this chat we've just been throwing things at the wall and you know you've certainly brought a lot of knowledge and you're much uh, further read than I am. Uh, I mostly read my comics and do podcasts about them, which is just a time constraint. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, very impressive. And so, where can people find your 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 fiction and your podcasting and things like that? What do you want to say about what you do for our entertainment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have so many links. So bear with me here. I am the co-host of Bitches on Comics. Bitches on Comics regularly talks about horror. We, during the month of October, often have, you know, four whole horror episodes because we just like talking about it. And we love sharing and talking new recommendations and going kind of more in-depth, I guess, on a lot of the horror films. And then there is, of course, the Decoded Pride collection, which is a queer speculative fiction anthology that I do. There is some horror in it. There's also science fiction and fantasy. It's all by queer writers. There's 30 stories in it. We just wrapped the second issue, which means that the PDF should be coming very soon. And you can buy it on Kindle and all of that. You can request it at your library if you read ebooks on the Overdrive app. And uh, I'm not sure how much that translates to not the U.S., but (laughs) there's that. And we do I am doing a speculative fiction podcast that is all about horror. That's called the Tales of the Sapphire Bay. That is not out yet, but it is on the way. My first novella, as I said, is on the way. And I very recently just got finished being a one of the featured writers for the No Sleep podcast. So episode 16 of the 16th season, there is a story that is written by me and I listen to every episode of that podcast. It's been going for a really long time and there's a bunch of great writers. So it was a huge honor. Is that all you're doing? Oh, oh, no. (laughs) I mean, it's really not actually. I have more, but (laughs) this is probably a great place to stop. I feel like once you spit like five links, you gotta, you gotta see yourself out. Um, (laughs) 
Alright, thanks Sarah, thanks for this chat and um, I'm going to have a re-listen and make notes because it sounds like you've recommended a few things I ought to check out um, Oh yeah Yeah, thanks for joining us everyone and we'll be back soon with another Dial F for Flatcap <laughs>